Raider Santon and beyond. Get ready for the Santon Times Hour with your host, Alexander. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between and beyond, this is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and also available on all good podcast platforms. I'm Alexander Leipman. This is edition 129. It's week 35 of 2023 and spring is around the corner and I'm excited to be with you once more. If you'd like to send through your questions, your comments or your feedback, you can do so. Uh, you can uh, email editor at santantimes.ca.za or visit the social media accounts at Santon Times or pop onto the website www.santontimes.co.za and if you're listening live on Mix 93.8 and not at a later stage uh, on one of the many podcast platforms well the WhatsApp line is open and you know that number it's 084-8220938 and it's always good to hear from you a very special welcome to everyone up in Gauteng if you're listening there or if you're listening somewhere else in South Africa you're also welcome and of course if you're anywhere else in the world online or on air Wherever you are, I'm happy to report that all is well in Santonland. As many of you might know who listen regularly, Vincenzo is behind the mixing desk again, and uh, I'm thrilled to have him here. And uh, Vincenzo, I don't know if you saw this, but the Santon Times Hour peaked on Apple Podcasts in position number 12 in the news category this past week in Namibia. Thank you to everybody in Namibia for your support. It's much appreciated. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing the uh, show charting on other platforms. Vincenzo, can you hear that? That's the BRICS Summit that is now officially over. It's done and dusted. The fighter jets are back in the hangar. The army of police have packed up. The generators are humming again as load shedding returns. And the homeless are back to direct traffic. Watch life return to uh, a South African normal once more. But oh, wait, wait. The elections are coming up soon. So maybe we might see a part two to all the festivities of painting roads, replacing light bulbs, and filling potholes. Coming up on this week's show, she is the CEO of uh, one of South Africa's largest advertising and marketing communication agencies who has written a piece on the way we observe our public holidays. Uh, I'm going to be chatting to her in a bit about that. Then, ever thought of joining the circus, or at least be fit enough to do so? A new home to all things performance has opened in Cresta. Stay tuned for that. After that, if you enjoy luxury shopping with a touch of Africa, there's a fair coming up in Santon over the coming days, which will help you do just that. And finally, murmurs are abound as to how a new demerit system for South Africa's roads is going to work. We try and decipher the details. This and more will be coming up in the next hour. But it's time to get the hour going with our first bit of music. And you're listening to the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8. Promote your brand. Advertise your business. Our audience could be your next client. Contact the Santon Times today. Follow the Santon Times on social media. At Santon Times. This is the Santon Times on Mix 93.8 with Eve Laroque and Steph DeCapo with Rise Up 2021 featuring Jabba taking us into the next hour. So one of the major stories that uh, ripped through the media world in South Africa this past week is the passing of much-loved broadcaster and veteran journalist Derek Watts. 
And I thought, well, let me take a moment just to reflect on Derek because I had uh, a few engagements with him. Uh, we uh, used to work at Mnet together way back uh, in the early 2000s. I bumped into him on the odd occasion. But it was uh, quite recently. And when I say recently, I would say just before COVID happened where uh, I'd uh, seen him again at uh, an event and uh, we got chatting and he invited me for lunch and uh, he did some mentoring with me and we we had a great chat and we had a chance to reflect on the work we do and how we do it. And uh, he was always a very friendly, very engaging, very helpful and very genuine guy. And uh, I must be honest, I was very sad to hear that uh, Derek had passed on uh, due to uh, his health And uh, I had him on the show last year, October, chatting about a beer commercial that he had been featured in, which was very much a mirror of uh, him, his work, and the icon that he had become. But Derek being Derek was always quite humble about the whole experience. So here's a quick snippet from that interview where I asked him if the commercial had referenced his reality to a greater extent to deliver some of the fantastic insights. I think there are you know, far more intimidating and uh, serious journalists in the country. But I've been around for a long time. And I suppose uh, being uh, six foot six makes you very imposing. But I have found, yeah, so many times. And you know, at, one, at one stage in Carte Blanche, we uh, uh, awarded spanners. So we would actually uh, go to a, a car um, a dealership or repair shop and and tweak something with you know take a, you know some the spark plug out or something or the connection and then see what they charged us and what they told us and uh, one dealership didn't do very well I won't mention what it was but we've got one of their cars so, <laughs> uh, every time I went there yeah, for a service they were lined up and just looking at each other and um, yeah I'd book the car in. And I just remember the one time when um, I, I booked it in and signed all the forms and then this guy came up and uh, he looked at me like, you know, he'd, he, he'd actually caught us out and he had this uh, little plastic bag with five rant in it. And uh, he thought, okay, that was the trick. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's one of the things with carte blanche that people think you always, um, yeah, got secret cameras or, you know, you, you're testing their fish to make sure that it's all legal and, um, yeah, not from the red zone. I, I guess we do um, get a lot of uh, suspicion from retailers, from other people, yeah. But generally, I mean, the response to the public is fantastic. Uh, uh, Derek, I mean, you've been doing carte blanche for such a long time. I mean, did you find any people coming back to you saying, uh, I can't believe you're dancing in a beer ad? (laughs) Uh, To be honest with you, I I just haven't been able to answer all the little comments that have come up. Well, to me, all of those WhatsApps, all positive. And one guy who... um, runs an ice cream shop in Santon. And, um, yeah, I haven't seen him for years, but he had my number. And he just said, this advert makes me feel so happy. I thought, you know, it's such a wonderful comment. And that's generally been the reaction. People just say laughing and saying, yeah, it's it just, yeah, lightened up my day. It's the funniest thing I've seen in a long while. As Colleen was saying, look, there's a time to be serious. I mean, it is serious in our country, serious in many places around the world. You know, I mean, I don't want to change the the topic to how serious, you know, life is. But I mean, when we think what's going on, I mean, we think of Ukraine and 
the atrocities there. When we think of some countries where um, people are lined up and executed for just dissent, you know, our country needs a lot of help, but it's it's not as bad as being in some places around the world. But saying that, you know, we have serious days, most of us, eh? but but uh, does it have to continue into the night? Um, does it have to be with us the whole time? And there is it definitely a time to lighten up? And and maybe this ad um, reinforced it with me that, um, you know, you've, you've had a day which was interesting and tough and, you know, just lighten up a bit. Derek Watts, may you rest in peace and thank you for all you've contributed. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour. Did you know that one in five girls drop out of school when they reach puberty because they don't have the means to manage their monthly menstruation? Rudder My Pad is a girl solution to staying in school. It's easy to use, cost-effective, with unique and very cool designs. Rudder My Pad is sustainable and durable with a lifespan up to five years. Visit rudder.co.za to sponsor a girl, a school, or to place an order. Empowering young women, my choice, my future, my life, my pad. It's a good question because lots of people have asked us that, you know, what are you going to do going forward? That's a great question. Two critically important questions. Such a great and uh, interesting question. I have not even thought about that until you've just said it. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and also available on all good podcast platforms. And as we get the week going, uh, I'm thrilled to be joined uh, by my first interview. It's a lady I've been trying to get hold of for quite some time, and she's been quite busy, but she's also got a very important role. She's the uh, Chief Executive Officer of Publicist Group Africa. And if you're not familiar with Publicist Group Africa, well, it consists of many of uh, South Africa's leading communications, marketing, media, advertising, and technology companies. Uh, the group is also a stakeholder in uh, just over 60 agencies across the African continent. It's also part of the listed French holding company Publicist Group, uh, which is the world's third largest communication and advertising group. Ku Governor, she looks after the uh, South African element of uh, this big group. And Ku, it's great to have you on the Santon Times Hour. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be on. Well, Ku, you wrote uh, a piece fitting for August, uh, highlighting the role of media players uh, and, and the role that they play in the narrative that is uh, driven during this particular month, but also other historical and important months in South Africa. And to make sure that I don't lose the essence of this article... Can you summarize in your own words briefly the uh, message in that article? So basically the message was sometimes, you know, during significant days, we kind of ramp it up more with marketing hype than the actual essence of that particular day. And the article that I wrote was, let us really honor that particular significant day. And for me, especially being such a woman advocate, my my story or my article was basically to honor that significant day of women and honoring women. I mean, just to check if we're on the same page here, because I've also had very similar thoughts when it comes to things like Women's Day, because I end up finding that a lot of companies end up sending me all kinds of releases and interview opportunities with, with women who do all kinds of things in their organizations. But these are women that you would never hear of the entire year long. But then for these four weeks, they almost get pushed into the spotlight uh, for that uh, brief window period of time when it is Women's Month or Women's Day or International Women's Day. And 
the rest of the year, that's it. And I almost feel like uh, it's kind of almost doing the entire thing a bit of a disservice. Shouldn't these ladies be getting their moment in the sun any time of the year? Absolutely. And, and you know, I feel it, it has become a tick box exercise. And I think it should be consistently throughout the year. And especially, I'm, and I'm going to speak specifically to Women's Month. And how could we keep it on a woman throughout the year and not only on the month of August or the 9th of August. Mm, yeah, absolutely. What has been the feedback that you've received from the industry, from clients, based on this piece that you put out? So a lot of people were quite were quite shocked that I would put out a piece like that, <laughs> being, uh, being a marketing person and, you know, trying to leverage opportunities from a consumer perspective as well and a client perspective. And I thought, let me write something quite provoking in terms of just honoring the essence of significant days and how we should really continue the true essence of it than just being a big, big marketing blurb. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so many companies do it pretty badly. I mean, like we've just touched on it now. Are there any companies or brands that you think have managed to get it right? Have they done it in such a way that you can say, well, you know what, actually, this is not a bad uh, direction to take or a, a bad attempt at a kind of heading in the right direction? So being a CEO of a marketing and communications company, I've got to play quite safe <laughs> on not calling out companies. So I would say some companies have definitely, without mentioning names, have definitely got it right because they've taken very tactical aspects of it throughout the year. And some companies have got it dismally wrong by just patronizing women during the month of August. Mm, mm. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, we're seeing a lot of that happening, not just initially around August and around Women's Month, but we're seeing it around the world with a range of topics. And and is there a danger as well as as a branding and marketing professional, maybe you can give us some perspective here as well, of becoming involved with anything and everything that comes along for the sake of getting involved? I mean, if it isn't part of your you know, your brand DNA or your brand strategy, is is this a good idea? No, so that's a really, really good question. For me, we all know brands should be living with a purpose. And if that's not your purpose or your brand philosophy, I don't think you should be going down that, that route. You as a brand should, should look into your brand. What does the brand DNA stand for? What is the purpose of the brand? Is it youth development? Then stick to your knitting of its being youth development. I don't think you should be spreading all over the place and sending confusing messages to your consumers as well. Yeah. So my my suggestion would be look at what the DNA of your brand is, what your brand purpose is, and I think every brand should have a purpose and be authentic to your brand purpose. So if I'm hearing you correctly, uh, branding isn't just about what you do, it's also about what you don't do. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, with consumers being so vocal today, they um, they call out brands that are pretentious in a sense of just doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So another thing, another thing is, you've, uh, to my point, you've got to be authentic and you've got to walk that journey of putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I mean, it's been a very interesting uh, you know, conversation starter because, like I said, it's something that I've thought about very much and I feel that a lot of companies are doing themselves a disservice by by kind of almost using the opportunity to just do uh, you know, what they think is right, but they should be doing it maybe throughout the year and maybe also getting a bit lost in all the other communication that is trying to do exactly the same at the same time. 
exactly lost in the clutter Absolutely. and we know as marketing people we should be we should have that ability to stand out knowing that you know in terms our consumers have 12 seconds similar to more than a less than a goldfish from an attention attention perspective yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. Ku Governor, she's the CEO of Publicist Group Africa. Uh, she's put out an article. We're also going to share that up on the Santon Times uh, website uh, on santontimes.ca.za uh, to get you thinking about these things as well, if you, especially if you're in, in a big company or even if you're in any company and you were thinking about your activations and your communication that went out during Women's Month. Well, maybe this is something to take forward into Heritage Month and into some of the other months that we celebrate in South Africa. And maybe saying less is more or maybe saying more is more. That's up to you. It's the bottom of the hour. We're going to take a quick musical break and more of the Santon Times Hour right after this. Back for more? The Santon Times Hour continues. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 uh, with Mark, Chris, Crystal Rock and Blakes with a new take of Mbob, which is that uh, Hanson track from the 1990s but I might be dating myself if I reveal too much. My name's Alexander Leibner, and you know how this works if you listen to the show regularly. And if you're listening for the very first time, let me fill you in. Uh, you can get the show notes of this show. So if you uh, listen to the show and you didn't catch all the details, you couldn't quite remember what the name was of that person or the name of that company, or you didn't get the details of the website or an email address or a phone number, we're going to put all those details up on the website after the show. So you can go into santantimes.ca today and get all those details and a breakdown of everything else that you might need that we discuss during the show. Also, be sure to check out our social media accounts at Santon Times on whatever social media platform you are on. And don't forget, you can connect with the Santon Times there as well as use the email address editor at santontimes.co.za. Now, the other day, I made my way down to Cresta, a shopping center here in uh, Greater Johannesburg. And I haven't been to Cresta in such a long time, but I think it's just one of those things uh, as a result of the pandemic, because we haven't been to so many places for such a long time. And I discovered a myriad of new businesses that have opened there, and uh, a lot of things have moved around. But one of those uh, new businesses that have popped up in Cresta is a company called The Cirque. And uh, I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I was invited to a media showcase, and uh, I arrived there, and I was quite surprised as to what I saw there. But here to chat to me about this and so much more is... Uh, Joanna Pavelcek, she's the director and co-owner of Cirque, as well as Nathaniel Perez. And uh, I'm going to in introduce Nathaniel in just a minute because we need to just lay some foundations here and talk about the Cirque. And Joanna, thank you so much for joining me on the Santon Times Hour. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. So, Joanna, just give us a executive summary of how you would describe the Cirque to somebody who's never seen it before. All right, so the Cirque comprises three kind of main facets. Number one, we have classes. So we teach aerial, as basically circus, if anyone's ever seen um, Cirque du Soleil, Madame Zangara, we teach all that stuff to adults and to kids. We have classes all week, um, open to everybody. Then we've got our shows um, and we've got corporates. So that's the, the professional side of things, it's performing. So we have a team of professional artists who are trained at the venue and they perform at corporate events or at our own shows, um, either as a group or solos or duos or that kind of thing. So that is the kind of the shows is, is really one of the biggest elements of our business, especially now since uh, after COVID, after we survived COVID. And our shows are something that we produce in, in house and it's all original productions that are done by our team. Well, I mean, it is very impressive. I mean, just to sort of uh, recap that, uh, you've now created this 
the school, but also a performance area that takes these things like you've seen on Cirque du Soleil and makes it accessible to people to watch locally and also for people to partake in. I know that on the media day, you also invite a lot of media to kind of try out the poles and try out the aerial parts. I hadn't phoned uh, Discovery Health uh, in advance to advise them of my participation. So I unfortunately couldn't uh, take full advantage of uh, doing aerial acrobatics, um, even if it is over a crash mat. But nonetheless, I think in jeans, it would have been a bit of a stretch. But it is quite fascinating to see this because like, you know, it's not something that you would consider um, an, an activity or a traditional sport. How did you get into opening up this idea? Oh, gosh. I mean, it's quite a, a long story. Um, I personally and I th- a, a few of us in the industry also all started with with pole dancing, which is um, many years ago. That was that became more accessible to people earlier on. From there, we uh, I was working with another company and then we decided to branch off. And it, there's a number of uh, well, a few of us um, co-owners who all decided to open up the circus. We all come from the same background, kind of where it started. So it was just about sharing that knowledge and the passion with other people and making it, like you said, accessible to everybody. And we really do. It's accessible from everyone, from the most absolute beginners to people who have a gymnastics background, to kids from the age of six years old um really anyone can join it was really about how we can make that accessible to as many people as possible to try out as well as enjoy and watch yeah i mean it is quite spectacular what i mean some of the demonstrations that i've seen uh, in terms of what can be done on uh, on on aerial acrobatics be it a a ring or a like you said a pole or even some of the um and like here, here comes my bad terminology but is it fabrics <laughs> Like fabrics that you can kind of roll yourself in. I mean, if you've watched America's Got Talent, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But that's sort of generally kind of what you can expect. You've got a a fantastic uh, store upstairs as well. People can buy a whole bunch of tights and and sort of different, uh, I suppose, gym wear, casual wear, athleisure wear. Uh, which is very yeah. cool. So if you're just into the retail side, there's something there for you as well. You occupy the old space that used to be the barnyard in, uh, in Cresta. So if people know where that is, uh, you've got a pretty yes. good idea as to where to find you. Now, you've also got shows that you run at uh, at the space. And Nathaniel, maybe I can just bring you into the conversation here right now. There's one running at the moment called La Belle. Tell me a little bit more about that. So La Bella is perfectly suited for women's months because it is a show that has only female performers that are all part of the training program from Cirque. We put on a show where we show everybody what the girls can do. It's a very empowering show for women, an inspiring show. It's a burlesque style show. So it's quite sassy and sexy. <laughs> um, and at first glance, it is... Um, it seems to be quite sexy. And then there's a really deep meaning throughout the show that takes women on this journey of reflecting in relationships and how they change us, how they shape us, how we don't identify with ourselves any longer. And ultimately that journey of breaking free from relationships and discovering who we truly are, our own worth, our own power. So the show takes us on quite a journey, which is very fitting, of course, for for Women's Month. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, I think you also got some of the guys involved in uh, in some of that choreography. I mean, just a, just a taste of it to, to get a feel for what it's like being able to, to perform burlesque. And uh, I, I must say, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that. I didn't partake once again. As I say, I didn't really think I had the, <laughs> the right warm up. You know, I didn't want to peak too soon in this performance. And, uh, and, and, and this is something that you're looking to roll out on a monthly basis. Are you looking to kind of put together these shows and bring out a different one every month? Or is this something that you're going to do sort of seasonally? 
Um, so the way we're working at the moment is we are releasing a production once every sort of four to six weeks um, because we're really new. We're still testing out what, uh, what the ideal run of a show is. So, so I, I direct some of the Cirque shows or we have a, a guest director. So we've worked with Nats for, for many, 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 many years and Labella is her original production. So it's kind of like a partnership in this case. So each show runs for, like I said, around four to six weeks, seven max at the moment. And with time, we will see if we need to extend that, if we need to uh, bring more variety or if we're going to just run shows for longer, kind of like how Barnyard used to do. So after Labella, we have the next two productions also scheduled, which will take us up to the end of the year. Tremendous. Well, there you have it. If that's whet your appetite, we're going to put all the information up on the Santon Times website so you can get the costings, the whatever, all the information you need, the classes, the performances. We'll put all that information up there so you can go through it in your own time. And uh, Joanna Pavlcheck, director and co-owner of uh, Cirque, as well as Nathaniel Perez, director of La Belle, stage at the Cirque at the moment. Thank you so much for joining me on the Santon Times Hour. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour. All right, as the hour progresses, uh, we catch up on some events happening in uh, Greater Santon. And uh, one of those is taking place at Melrose Arch from the 1st to the 3rd of September. It's the Handmade Contemporary Fair, or also known as the HMC Fair. And I'm joined by the Head of Operations for the Fair, Leslie Hudson. And Leslie, it's good to have you on the Santon Times Hour. Tell us a little bit more about this Handmade Fair. What is this all about? So a Handmade Contemporary Fair, or as you correctly said, HMC, has been around for 17 years. And it's a showcase of the best of African luxury handcrafted goods. So everything from jewelry, clothes, homeware, beautiful foods, drinks are all available at the fair. Okay, amazing. So uh, what kind of what kind of makes something a, a luxury handmade item? Because Africa, for better or for worse, is known for uh, curios or souvenirs or, you know, handcraft giraffes. And they're very popular with a lot of the overseas people who come and they buy them in, 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 in huge quantities. And also there's a couple of things that we've also bought for our own homes. But what, what, what differentiates this fair from, from something that a lot of people probably already know? Yes, so uh, th- thanks for distinguishing. So what you won't find at the fair are all the things that you've just listed. But what you will find are very bespoke, very beautiful items that compete with the best of the best in the world. So they are handcrafted by absolute experts who have poured their heart and soul into the design of the items and in the production of the items. And they really are the most beautiful items that do not only could, but actually do fit on the catwalks of Paris and New York and in the beautiful homes of everywhere in the world. And of course, in our homes and um, places of work too. All right. So a very, a very elevated experience. And it sounds like you've gone out and you've actually curated uh, the, the 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 people that will be uh, making these things available for purchase. Uh, how many are, how many uh, traders are we talking about? How many designers are we expecting uh, at the fair? We have approximately a hundred, or, or, or possibly north of a hundred um, exhibitors at the fair. But that's because that's the space that we have. I mean, we could take many more. It's it's extraordinary to see the the amount of talent in the country and on the continent who actually qualify for this very particular niche of luxury handcrafted items. Mm. I think it's also important to say that they're contemporary. So the name kind of captures it all. They're handcrafted, but they're contemporary. So they 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 recognize our legacy and our heritage, but they bring them into a modern world. So whatever you see there, 
you will love using and wearing and tasting and smelling. What brought about the idea uh, to to host such a such a gathering? I think it's exactly a recognition of the fact that we are not just a continent of curios and beaded work, but we are a continent of highly skilled craftspeople who know their crafts. Um, it's been passed down for many generations and have honed them over this period of time. And so it's really to say we are much more than beaded curios and um, giraffes and the like, that we actually are a really skilled continent of makers. Well, what I've often found is that there's there's sort of these two things that end up happening. Either we end up having somebody designing something uh, as a South African, taking it overseas, it becomes really famous and really well known, and then we end up paying ten times the price because now overseas has recognised us. But uh, when they were sort of uh, in South Africa and doing their thing, you know, people weren't prepared to you know sort of pay even close to half of it. And the other thing is, you end up having international fashion houses or international design companies pick up on something that is an African design or a South African-inspired idea, they roll it out on one of their handbags or one of their sort of throws or scarves, and uh, we almost say, well, that's a little bit of uh, misappropriation there. That's our idea. How, how dare you go about and do that? Yes, I, I understand what you're saying, but for us, those are success factors. That Those are, are, are what many of our makers aspire to, but at the same time, really wanting to service the local market of people that appreciate it. And I think... Handmade Contemporary does exactly that. Not only does it showcase the makers, but it taps into a guest list of people that really appreciate that kind of craftsmanship. So you'll find over the um, three days that it's open to the public, close to 10,000 people will come through the fair. They've obviously come to eat, drink, look gorgeous and meet each other as friends, but they've come to shop and they've come to shop specifically there because they, they appreciate those kind of things. So... If you're wanting to support that kind of high-end luxury craftsmanship, then it's now is the time to come to the fair and buy it because, as you say, they get snapped up very quickly and then end up in dollar markets. Yeah, and it also sounds like there's a bit of a, an entrepreneurial support element here, sort of uplifting uh, entrepreneurs that would necess- not necessarily have a big shop in one of the big uh, shopping malls in Greater Santon. Uh, they would be either selling online or direct or through this this sort of platform. That's exactly right. So you'll find that, I mean, first of all, a lot of our makers do have a reputation and a following, but we are always on the lookout for those new people who don't have the big followings yet that we know will end up being big one day. Um, many of our makers from our research tell us that they make at least 60 to 70% of their annual turnover over those three days. So it's a huge boost for them to be able to uh, display at a market like ours um, because that's significant for them and that really helps them as entrepreneurs. The other thing that we found is that at least 95% of our makers are women-owned businesses. And that's also very significant because those women-owned businesses and no comment on male-owned businesses, but the women-owned businesses tend to employ other women and they tend to source and return value to the communities that they come from. So you find that the women-owned entrepreneurs are not just chasing profit. Of course, they need money, but they're also actually about uh, making sure the environment is well looked after, that communities are uplifted, and that everybody benefits from it. 
so it, 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 it's 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 a all round um, benefit for not just the entrepreneurs but communities as well. So a bit of a win-win if you're looking for something uh, exclusive, extraordinary, something that's different and also local, uh, you get to walk away with that item and also at the same time support a local entrepreneur who's employing people, who's uh, keeping an entire economy going. And we know especially after the COVID years, uh, don't we all need that? And uh, uh, it's been great chatting to you, Leslie Hudson, talking about the Handmade Contemporary Fair, which is taking place at Melrose Arch uh, in Greater Santon from the 1st to the 3rd of September. We'll put all the information up on the santontimes.co.za as well if you want to get some more information and some more details. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to wrap up the hour right after this. Fitness starts when you pack your bag. It's a promise to yourself to live life well. So kickstart your journey to summer wellness today with a Virgin Active Bag, August membership free, plus access to a world of rewards. Call 0860 Get Fit or visit your nearest club. Virginactive.co.za. T's and C's apply. Online. On air. Anywhere. Anytime. This is the Santon Times Hour. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 with September 99. That earth, wind, and fire hit. But that was the Fats and Small remix. So we're going to be channeling those spring temperatures as we see August out for another year. So as we wrap up the hour, I thought, well, let's chat about this driver demerit system uh, that is uh, on the horizon to be implemented. I think also off the back of the uh, strike that we saw in Cape Town with the minibus taxis a couple of weeks ago. To get a legal opinion on this, I'm joined by Sarah Kelly, an associate with APA Africa. Sarah, good to have you on the show. And uh, maybe you can provide a bit of a perspective on this decision by the Constitutional Court of late for the system to forge ahead? And uh, how do you think this will impact the rollout plans after quite some time? Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show today. Um, the demerit system has definitely been in the pipeline for some time. I believe, you know, it's been pending for approximately two decades in which ARTA has been trying to implement these. And, and now that as a result of the Constitutional Court having actually made its judgment, all these plans that have been put in place can finally be implemented. And it seems like it's the intention for it to be implemented immediately within the next year the rollouts will happen by it's by advising the municipalities to now implement these certain systems i believe originally when they intended to implement the system there was like a three-phrase approach just also to help with the public become knowledgeable about it but i think the significance is it's going to change the way that their intention is to change all the road accidents that we have to try and improve motorist behavior. I believe that, you know, we have about 800,000 accidents yearly, which equates to about approximately 2,200 accidents daily. And I think that the governments have tried to come up with a system that they believe will help reduce these numbers. And especially, you know, those motorists that have habitual behaviors that constantly have accidents, constantly have fines. So I think the significance of this decision is they now get to implement the system to try and achieve a certain objective, and that is to make our roads safer. Right. Well, I mean, as we've seen in in the Cape Town issue, uh, and I think this was also sort of like the uh, part of the motivation for it, was that fines hadn't been working and that people were just ignoring fines or just paying them and carrying on doing what they're doing. And that uh, to some extent, if you're trying to try and change behavior, then you have to go a little bit harder, hit where it hurts by impounding cars. And in this instance, from what I understand, the demerit system, uh, you've got sort of a set of points that you work with. And depending on what you do, you get those points deducted. And eventually you're left with no more points 
and then bad things happen <laughs> in, a, in, in, in very elementary terms. But um, can, can you try and explain how this point-based system will work and how it should be implemented effectively? It's like you say, the fine system hasn't necessarily been working. So let's, in good fashion, try a different system. And what will happen is there's certain offenses that you can commit. For example, um, you know, you don't comply with the traffic signal or you go over the speed limits. They, they have a, a penalty. So there's still a penalty that will have to be paid being a fine and that certain points will be deducted. So origin, so what happens is all drivers will start on a zero, zero points and you have certain categories that you can say, you know, you can get a certain amount of points. For example, I think if you, you fail to register your vehicle with the appropriate authority, you'll get one demerit. And what happened was over time with the accumulate, if you accumulate these demerits over time, if you reach about 15, because there is a draft version originally, it was 13 demerits. I see they're now trying to change it to 15 demerits, where if you accumulate that amount of demerits, you will, your license will essentially be suspended. So they equivalent, they, they will put certain amounts of demerit points to, depending on to which offense you commit. I think, for example, drunk and driving is like about six points if I recall correctly. I know it's higher than just one. So mm. the more serious the infringement, the more demerits that you will get. And I think, like I said, the demerit system, the more points you get, it's to try and stop you because there'll be severe consequences and for a fact your vehicle will be impounded or your license will be suspended. Yeah. It's not a deductive system where they deduct points. It's actually a system where they actually add up points. And like you said, once you get to a number, then essentially your time's up, your car gets impounded, yes. your driver's license gets taken away. I mean, that's quite a that's quite an in, I mean, quite an impactful thing. I mean, if you're left without a car or without a driver's license, uh, where to from there? I mean, are you then sort of just left to either Uber everywhere, or or do you have a chance of trying to redeem yourself? Well, that's what uh, I think. That's one of the intentions behind why they created this was because I said, we're, you know, we're a nation where a lot of people we rely heavily on transport, and a lot of motorists out there rely on the transport to get to their jobs, to do day-to-day -day activities. Where even though we do have public transport, you know, it's not necessarily used by all South Africans. And I think the intention behind this was to kind of force people to comply with the laws, make it safer, to keep your vehicle. Because as you say, if you lose your vehicle, it's impounded, or you lose your license. If you if your license is suspended, you're not allowed to drive while it's suspended. So you're kind of forced, like you say, to use Uber or public transportation that is available out there, which I don't know if it's necessarily feasible for everybody. Look, uh, we all know petrol prices are not the greatest, but I think having to Uber to and from work or other maybe transportation systems will accumulate a different financial impact on an individual. Yeah, you know, like I said, the, the, the points essentially accumulate. It's, it's it's funny, you know, you use the demerit system and it's full, you're like, you know, it's a minus mark, but in here, no, it's an accumulation of points. And if you get up to 15, then you've got to face the consequences. Yeah. And I think that was yeah. the point of the government is that they're trying to say that, you know, people maybe aren't necessarily listening to just getting fines. There has to be a more severe consequence. Well, I'm assuming there'll be some education around this. I mean, we're talking about it being implemented sort of immediately slash within a year. But uh, I suppose there also has to be a little bit of a consumer education exercise or a public ex education exercise for people to actually understand uh, what the implications are and how this is going to work. Otherwise, I suppose it, it, it won't really serve much of a purpose. No, well, that's true. The, it, from what I understand, um, they, they plan on having service outlets um, that individuals can go to, whether it's to be to pay the fines. 
understand how many demerits they're on. And through these, you know, these service athletes, they plan on educating the public. But I also believe they intend to have an aggressive public awareness campaigns in order to get motorists to be aware of, you know, this system that's coming into place, how it will work. Like any system, though, it also, there is also slightly maybe a duty on the public to also try to become informed by this. I know that it's been notified in news. And unfortunately, as we know, you know, not everybody might have the opportunity to go to these service outlets or never have a, a moment to know they even exist. Mm. So I think that's why they talk about not only just the service outlets for people to go to and get the information and become knowledgeable, but also have these aggressive public awareness campaigns, whether that's through the news or, you know, any other um, newspaper outlets to get those knowledgeable. I believe service outlets, for example, will be placed throughout different municipalities, different rural areas as well for those who have vehicles and just kind of slowly educate the public as time goes on. Maybe also, I think maybe one of the other options, whether I haven't seen this, but I think maybe the other one, for example, those that get fined is maybe, you know, attach a letter or something to those sorts to let motorists know, by the way, this new system is coming into place. Please, these are the these are the key points that you need to be made aware of for those that are already motorists that already have fines. And I think to try and get that public awareness out that may be one of the initiatives they should follow. Well, there you have it. Uh, trying to make sense of the uh, demerit system that is on its way. And, and, and try and understand what it's all about. And as you say, we can only hope that we get some sort of uh, more sort of detailed information and more educated information uh, coming through from the department uh, to understand exactly what the implications are from uh, doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing in this instance. And uh, Sarah Kelly, associate with APA Africa, thank you for making the time to be on the Santa Times Hour to try and unbox this a little bit with us and, uh, and at least kind of draw some attention to it. If nothing else, for people to kind of start looking out for this kind of information coming through. That's it for another Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and is always available on all good podcast platforms. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, if you're planning to travel soon, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and never miss a week. You can email editor at santantimes.co.za if you want to get in touch or connect on social media at Santantimes and visit the website www.santantimes.co.za and feel free to send through your questions, your comments, your feedback, your input. All of those are welcome. Thank you to all my guests who made the time to be on the show this week as well as Vincenzo. As always, thank you for all your hard work and thank you to the Santon Times as well as everyone. And thank you to the Santon Times team as well as everyone at Mix 93.8. And thank you for listening. And let's connect again next week. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the Santon Times Hour. And if you enjoyed it, be sure to share it.